This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yes, indeed. This morning I am joined from the University of Minnesota, Mary Meyer. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Denny. What a wonderful day for fall gardening. It really is, and I, I just have a sneaking hunch that this might be a good week, correct me, for seeding my lawn. I'm looking at the daytime highs and the overnight lows, and it looks pretty good. Yes, uh, lawn seeding is something we talk about in September. We're getting on the edge of our uh, best time to see the lawn, and then it's always um, it always depends a lot on the the rainfall. We'd like to have a nice amount of rain and moisture after seeding, but September, yes, prime time for seeding your lawn. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, and if you're a regular listener to the show, you know we tend to get really busy. So call in or send a text to Mary at this number six five one. Four six one nine two two six again six five one four six one nine two two six for either a phone call if you want to chat with Mary or send Mary your question via the text again six five one four six one nine two two six Mary I was uh, visiting with a friend of mine and colleague uh, Steve Murphy yesterday. And we were talking about both of our respective lawns, how terrible. I like in forever. We've never seen our lawns look this bad. And we were talking about aeration and uh, seeding, maybe dormant seeding. What, what do you recommend for folks who have had that issue? And we've had a tough year on our lawns. What, what, what do you recommend? Yes, it has been a tough year because of such dry conditions. So if you still have brown lawn, if you can't see green and you have totally brown areas, those areas are probably dead. So you need to uh, rake the area or renovate the area so you have good seed soil contact. So if it's a small area, you can do that yourself. If it's a large area, you might want to think about hiring somebody, have somebody else do it. But good seed soil contact is what's critical. Um, Aeration is a good idea. Uh, Lots of uh, golf courses, professional sports areas and so on do aeration in the fall because grass roots grow much more in the cooler weather now that we have in the fall. So aeration, putting additional seed on top. Aeration opens up holes in the soil so that the seed has more of a chance for contact 
contact with the soil. But yes, it's something we'd recommend. And I would say that you really should be doing it this week. This is, uh, we're kind of at the end of our best time for doing it. So I would get get on that project now. Uh, speaking of that, we had a, a text uh, on that topic. My lawn needs aeration, but I have creeping Charlie in several spots. Will aerating my lawn spread that creeping Charlie? Uh, yes, it actually might do that. Creeping Charlie is one of our most pervasive weeds, and it can grow from just a tiny piece of the stem. So, yeah, cutting it up, chopping it up can actually increase it. So you might want to consider um, what you're doing. Uh, if the creeping Charlie is your biggest problem, I would use a broadleaf weed killer. Uh, you might need to apply that two times, but I would take care of the creeping Charlie before you do any aeration. And you want to be careful to read the label for the herbicide that you're using. Make sure that the temperature is appropriate for uh, the timing of that. Because temperatures especially fluctuate so much now in the fall. Too cool or too hot, the, the chemicals really won't work. Yeah, and we're, we're expecting maybe 87 tomorrow for a high. How about that? Uh, let's see. Let's grab a phone call, Mary. Ed is calling in from Bloomington uh, this morning. Ed, good morning. You are on with Mary. Good morning. Thank you for the fine program. I have some uh, pots of mixed plants that I purchased this way, and they had geraniums and other uh, plants that bloom in them. The other plants are blooming profusely, and the geraniums just very occasionally. The leaves are small. And they often turn yellow. I uh, wondered what I'm doing wrong. I have fed them with the high middle number uh, fertilizer every couple of weeks, and I keep them watered, but the geraniums just don't grow. The other plants in the pot seem to be prone to dry out quickly, and I've heard that geraniums don't mind being a little bit dry, so it's kind of a difficult thing to keep the two watered the same. What do you think is wrong with my geraniums? Well, Ed, it sounds like you're doing everything right. The only thing I can think of is that the other plants that are in there are just out competing the geraniums. Now, we normally think of geraniums as pretty tough and they will hold their own, but there are a lot of combinations now of flowers that you can buy in containers but it's really hard to get an equal equal opportunity here. So sometimes more aggressive plants will really just take over, take up all the nutrients, maybe take up most of the light so that the geraniums are kind of crowded out and they just are winning in that competitive situation. So other than removing the geraniums and uh, thinking about this combination and not buying those same plants in the future, Future. Moving the geraniums and uh, thinking about this combination and not buying those same plants in the future, I, I think it's just over competition and especially probably for light as well. Okay. Here's an interesting one. Uh, it says, good morning. My neighbor across the street has jumping worms on the boulevard. When do they make cocoons is one question. Texter's concerned about dogs picking up those cocoons, bringing them across the street. Any ideas for preventing that? What You've heard of these jumping worms, Mary. 
Yeah, so jumping worms are uh, now pretty common uh, throughout the area. We have a lot of studies going on, some studies going on at the Arboretum on uh, how to really manage these. Uh, jumping worms are an annual. They do lay eggs, make a cocoon that will overwinter. So they, the good thing is, is they, they really only live one year, but the bad thing is, is they produce a lot of eggs and they can really increase their population. Now, this was a kind of strange year because we actually didn't see as many jumping worms throughout this summer as we had expected. Uh, I don't know if that was the dry weather conditions. These worms tend to like cooler situations. They tend to like mulch and they tend to only be in the very top of the soil. But yes, you you have a dog, you have humans on our shoes and so on. We now know that you can carry those eggs um, and, and possibly cocoons and transport them to other areas of the garden. And of course, digging up any plants that are in an area where there've been jumping worms, wow, that's really a way to, to move them to another area. So I would just monitor the area where you've seen them very carefully. And they actually tend to come and go, which is good news, but we can't, we don't really know why they come and go yet. So it is a challenge, but being aware that they're there um, is, is, is really the first step. Very good. Uh, as we head to the break, and here's our phone number or text number, uh, 651-461-9226. And I mentioned this last week. Uh, you can disregard these uh, reply messages for some reason. Uh, the listeners, Mary, when they send a text question, they get a reply that says, we don't understand and whatever. Forget that. Your text messages are coming through. So just send your texts or give Mary a phone call. Same number, 651-461-9226. We are receiving your text messages loud and clear. All right. Again, 651-461-9226. After the break, more Smart Garden here on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. Good morning and welcome back to CCO's uh, Smart Garden Show around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Thanks to good folks like Mary Meyer from the U of M helping you out either by phone or by text. And here again is that number, 651-461-9226. Mary, we have just, as usual, tons of text messages and uh, phone calls lining up, too. Here's one. It says, would honeysuckle bush be good in a pollinator garden, and are they at all invasive? Honeysuckles are great for pollinators. Uh, we see a lot of uh, hummingbirds as well as butterflies that do and bees that like uh, honeysuckle. There are a lot of different honeysuckles, so you have to be quite careful about which ones you are planting. They tend to self-seed, so you'll find seedlings coming up. They tend to um, layer. Their branches can lay down and they can grow from that. So 
uh, I would say yes, and uh, do your research and look at the ones that are recommended on our extension website at extension.umn.edu. There's there's a vine honeysuckle that's especially attractive. That one is not invasive, but several of the shrubs are non-natives, and they can be invasive. I'm glad you brought up that that, that the website because if if you uh... I've never checked it out. This is an amazing resource. Just fun reading. If 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 you put down your novel and you want to get some other information, extension.umn.edu. It's just an amazing resource. Uh, we'll mention that too as before Mary takes her leave today. Mary, here's another one. A listener says, "I use straw as a mulch in my vegetable garden. Should I leave the straw on the ground over the winter, turn it into the soil now, or remove it completely?" I would leave it there, and I I probably would not do any tilling in the fall. Uh, We know now that uh, bare soil going into the fall is not as good as having some type of a cover there. With bare soil, you can have more wind erosion or uh, moisture erosion if there's a lot of rain. So I would just leave the mulch there, and then I would wait until spring to do the tilling. Okay. We talk about dormant seeding. Here's a question about how does it work to dormant seed clover? This texter wants a bee lawn. Yes, you can try that. Uh, At this point, clover... Clover can take a longer time to germinate and establish, so it's a risk to plant it this late in the fall, although fall is just starting, uh, this late in our growing season, let me say it that way, um, because it does take a while to get established. Dormant seeding, when you put it down in November, it's not going to germinate, but it settles into the soil, and then first thing in the spring, when conditions are right, it will will grow. The other alternative is to sow it in, in late May and June when the soil has warmed up. So dormant seeding is no chance of growing in the fall, but gets settled in to, to grow in the springtime. So if you planted it right now, it might half germinate and it's much more vulnerable to freeze and then die. Okay. Uh, this texture says, hello, I love the show. I purchased an eight-foot prairie rose crabapple tree last month, and when I planted it, I was sad to see that there wasn't much root structure on it. Is there anything I can do to encourage root growth and help it survive the upcoming winter? Watering it is probably the most important thing you can do. Uh, gosh, we've had one of the driest summers ever in the history of Minnesota. So our soil reserves, as far as moisture goes, are quite low. So I would uh, water it. We have a wonderful uh, video piece on the extension website, Three Ways to Water a Tree. And it really shows you how you can efficiently get the water into the root system. And many times, you know, we might go out there with a hose and hold the hose and have the water in the air and so on. This is not very efficient. We we might feel good doing this, but it's not the most efficient way. So really putting that hose on the ground uh, a certain amount of time on each side of the tree using a gator bag. There's some really efficient ways to, to water a tree well. 
All right. And boy, like you said, because of the weather, I mean, it's a good idea anyway, but especially after the season we had is is those trees and shrubs really need that as we head into the winter, right? Yes, very true. Yeah. Yeah. This texter, Mary, says we have a large hedge of lilacs. Half show the same blight as last year. For the past week, they've been blooming, both purple and white. Can you explain this? Oh, my goodness, our poor lilacs. You know, yeah, last year we saw some uh, blights, leaf blights on lilacs that defoliated the plants, and we were all kind of puzzled with that. And now these plants are weakened, and yes, I've seen some hedges that are half dead and half alive looking. This is kind of a tough call. Uh, In one hand, I you know, if I had a hedge or a group of lilacs, and they didn't look good, I would take about a third of that hedge and cut it to the ground because it's I, there's a lot of disease and weak top there. And hopefully there's enough vigor in the roots to start all over again with a plant. Um, the, the flowering is kind of amazing because the drought and um, extreme conditions of the summer kind of trick the plant into thinking, Okay, I've been through stress like winter. Okay, it's time to flower again. And the buds they formed um, in July then actually come out as flowers. So, uh, the, and the color differential, probably just due to food reserves that are there. There are white lilacs um, as well as uh, purple ones, but it might be the amount of sugars that are available in the plant. Um, so that it's it's really a challenge for what to do with the lilacs. If you don't do anything, uh, they're, they're probably going to be alive next year, but how vigorous are they going to be? It's a good question. (laughs) Interesting. All right, Mary, we need to to take a break and have a look at that forecast, see what's up and coming here in our neck of the woods. And we have another half hour of the show to go. Here is the phone number. You want to get in touch with Mary by phone or by text, 651-461-9226. The weather straight ahead here on News Talk 830-WCCO. Stay with us. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question from Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota, by all means, call it in or text it in. It's the same number, and that is 651-461-9226. Here's a text, Mary. It says uh, they have uh, three beautiful Mandeville plants in hanging baskets. Is it possible to bring them inside over the winter and continue to enjoy them? Yes, it is. You have to have really bright, sunny conditions. So a south window or a west window, um, you can do that. It's kind of a challenge, but if you want to try it, sure, why not? All right, good. What's, uh, I was just thinking of that forecast, and what a beautiful weekend to head to the Arboretum. Yes, there's so many things going on at the Arboretum. Fall is a wonderful, beautiful time to visit. You know, fall is one of it's it's uh, May and October tend to be our biggest months for visitors um, at the Arboretum. But there's a lot going on. And of course, the Apple House is open and uh, you can call. There's a number on the website. You can call and see what 
uh, varieties of apples. They have started picking Honeycrisp now, so the local Honeycrisp is in. There's squash and pumpkins also for sale there. So the Apple House is open every day, and it's just beyond the Arboretum. So you don't need a ticket or any uh, reservations to go to the Apple House. Uh, if you do go to the Arboretum, of course, it's open every day. You need a reservation. There are uh, many of reservations are available, but uh, you do need a reservation. You can easily get that on the website. All the hours today and all the days ahead, it's wide open for visitors. Uh, there's lots going on. The scarecrow display opens today. So you can see lots of fun scarecrows on the hill. Uh, and pick your favorite. You can vote for your favorite scarecrow. Fall blooming things, asters, the goldenrods, lots of all our fall uh, prairie flowers are in bloom. And the grass collection. I work with grasses, and that looks wonderful now as well. Oh, it's a great, you know, family. The kids love it. Everybody loves it there at the, the Arboretum. Check it out uh, for yourself. Very easy to find. All right. We have callers, Mary. We have texters. Here's a text, that, and then we'll get back to the phones. I was wondering, texter says, how to encourage root growth on a new tree. Root growth on a new tree. Uh well, I, it's this is tough to make a big impact after the tree is planted, but water is probably the most limiting thing. So we did talk about that already. But if you um, if you think about where tree roots grow, they are not. This is not an inverse of what's above ground. Many people think that that's how a tree looks below ground, but we know now that is not true. The roots of a tree are in the top three feet of soil, and most of them are in the top 18 inches. Mm. So they are right up there on the surface of the soil. That's where the most oxygen is, and that's where usually the most water is. So for a new tree, I would say watering it and spend some time really putting the water around it on a a regular basis, uh, will re it's the best thing you can do. Okay. Back to the phones we go. Daryl is calling in from Waverly, Minnesota this morning. Daryl, you're on with Mary Meyer. Yeah, good morning. morning. Uh, I just had a question uh, regarding my lawn. Uh, probably like most people, I had a lot of dead grass from the uh, drought this summer, but wondering the best way to uh, approach it this fall. A lot of the new grass is, or growth is starting to come back in, but as you can imagine, a lot of the weeds took over. So my plan was to uh, just spray with some Trimic and then maybe a week or two overseed. Uh, I'm just wondering if you think that's a good, good method. Uh, yes, Daryl, I think that is a good method. So I would put that weed killer on as soon as possible and I'll follow up with the, um, with the seeding. Um, it takes a little bit of time for the weed killer to actually be absorbed by the weeds. But I would say, uh, you know, with the weather conditions we have coming up, yeah, cool, cool and warm uh, uh, back to back. I would say three to five days afterwards, as long as it hasn't rained and it dries off, that, that a lot of that will be taken up by the weeds. And then uh, we're getting close to the end of time for seeding. So I'd try to get your seeding done by October 1st. Speaking of seeds, uh, this texture says, what are the names of grass seed that grows the best in our area? Fine fescue was mentioned by your program, but cannot find it listed 
on the bags in the box stores, where can you get the best kinds of seed for this area? So you might not find the word fine in front of the fescues, but pretty much anything that's a shady grass mix will have fine fescues. So the fescues are also called red fescue, creeping red fescue, sheep's fescue, hard fescue. So anything that basically says fescue is going to be a fine fescue. And if you have multiple kinds in the mix, that's great. Uh, so pretty much shady lawn mix is going to be uh, fescues. Uh, you don't necessarily need much perennial rye or Kentucky bluegrass. Those are the other two kinds of lawn seed that work really well for our area, but they do better in sunny conditions and they also do better with higher uh, nutrients. So they're kind of, they're more of our premium lawn grasses. So fine fescues, lower uh, nutrient requirements, slower growing, and will also tolerate shade. I know, and to give a couple of, and I know there are more than, than the, the, these stores, but I've had such great luck. And I know there's good seed product at, uh, at uh, our friends at Bachman's and Gertens for sure. And I'm sure other other yes. uh, garden centers as well, but those two for sure. Right. The private garden centers, and especially ones that are um, not a chain that's across the United States. So the ones that are local garden centers know that our conditions uh, are cold and require the cool season grasses only. And many of them will have their own um low maintenance mix or no mow mixes and those are the fine fescues very good all right let's see let's go back to the phones i think jim is calling in from uh, plymouth this morning i think jim's still there jim what is your question for mary hi is this the time of the year that we should be putting covering on the young trees to prevent the deer from destroying the bark Yes, Jim, this is a good time to do that. Um, it's not only uh, deer, it's usually rabbits, actually, that will come up and eat a lot of the bark off. So, And there are certain trees, especially fruit trees, that they like. So you can buy these plastic cylinders that you put around the fruit trees. I have those on all my fruit trees. And then also that is a protection from the um, sun scald. In the wintertime, uh, young trees with thin bark like maples will often crack. And so um, you can use um, a cover on top of them to protect them from sun skull. But this is a good time to do that right now. Okay. This texter says, I am redoing my vegetable garden and plan to add fertilizer. Is it best to add it now or wait until spring also? We are considering planting a flowering dogwood tree to replace a spruce tree. Do you have recommendations for a variety that would be a good choice? Thank you. I listen every Saturday. Well, and that that might be that last question might be a good uh, place to a resource to get to the website, right? Yes, the website has lots of recommendations. Uh, my favorite dogwood is one of our native ones. The uh, Cornus alternifolia or the pagoda dogwood. It has whorls of branches, kind of layers like a pagoda, and um, it's a beautiful small tree with berries and nice fall color and nice flowers in the spring. So the pagoda dogwood, um, I would recommend. 
And then, no, I would not put down any fertilizer now. Uh, it, that's something to do in the springtime. Fertilizer has a short uh, lifespan and is often um, dissolved in water and then uh, gone. So you want to put the fertilizer on right as you're putting in your plants or uh, sowing the seed. Okay. Back to the phones we go. Tom is calling in from uh, Minnetonka this morning. Tom, you are on with Mary. Hi. Uh, I seeded a new patch of earth with grass seed a couple weeks ago, and it came up right away, which is nice. And I'm wondering, uh, A, how long till I can going to actually like look thick and can cut it whatever and will it weather through the winter that way and the second thing is uh do i need to water it every day since the dew is so heavy this time of year uh no you don't need to water it every day uh the goal is uh an inch of water once a week that's kind of our ideal standard so you're better off to water infrequently and water deeply so i would say you know every five to seven days think about watering it and then water it till you have approximately an inch of water there uh, and you could put a tuna can out or something to measure uh, the inch of water and uh, as far as mowing it yeah the the question is you really don't want to tear up the seed when you mow it so you want it to be um, established enough that the roots are holding it there and you won't tear it up with your lawnmower once you start mowing it. So if you're not sure about that, I would try a little bit of it and see how it goes, how it looks. And then try not to cut off more than one third of what's there. Mary, this listener says, I have a Dracaena outside. How do I bring it in for the winter without getting hitchhiked? third of what's there. Mary, this listener says, I have a Dracaena outside. How do I bring it in for the winter without getting hitchhikers in my house? You've got to clean it off. Uh, I I clean up all of my house plants that I have outside with water, uh, just with a hose, cleaning them off really well, do inspection on the top of the pot, on the bottom of the pot, clean the pot off as well on the outside. So really just inspection and a good spray of water okay tell you what let's do let's take a quick break we have more show to come 651-461-9226 that's the phone number and the text number here on a smart garden show on news talk 830 wcco And good morning. Welcome back to the remaining minutes of our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. Denny Long here, along with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota, helping you out. And Mary, tons of text messages. Let's see how many we can uh, get through before you take your leave today. Uh, This one says, how do I prepare gardenias for bringing inside during the winter months? Oh, gardenia is such a great plant to grow. One of the toughest houseplants to really grow but uh, just like i told the previous wash it off really well make sure that there are no insects hitchhiking in make sure the pot itself is clean and then uh, yeah then you're good to go okay uh, back to a grass seed question this one is uh, does grass seed have a shelf life texture has some old seed can i still use it 
it does have a shelf life. Every year it reduces the percentage of germination. So it is going to, I'm, I'm guessing here, I'd have to look this up, but I'm going to say it would decrease at least 20% per year in germination. So, you know, you get something that's five years old, you're not going to have much germination. It also depends on where it's been stored, the temperature and um, moisture conditions. But uh, the older it is, the fewer seeds will, oh, will germinate. Okay. Makes sense. This listener has a double Asiatic lily that they bought a couple of years ago when they uh, it was blooming. It has come back every year, but it has never bloomed. It develops the flower head, but then uh, they never open up. They just stay in that phase, and eventually they just dry up. Any idea of what I may be doing wrong, they want to know. Gosh, uh, no, I don't know. Um, I I would just say that uh, how many years after a while, I just give up on plants if they're if they don't perform. It's been a couple years. A couple years, yeah. You know, bulbs can live. I'm I'm wondering if it's just not getting enough sun or food reserves to really um, develop. So I would try fertilizer. Um, maybe moving it to a different location if it's uh, better sun conditions. The other thing with lilies is they really have to have well-drained soil. They don't like wet feet. And of course, we've had such a dry year. But if they're in an area where it gets constant irrigation from your lawn or something like that, poor drainage is uh, a bad sign for lilies. Okay. This one says, good morning, are coffee grounds good for potted plants? And if so, what purpose does it serve versus plant food? Well, coffee grounds are a source of organic matter. So they help to improve the tilth of the soil uh, by by adding organic matter. With um, a potted plant, you'd have to be more careful with that of changing the whole proportion of what's in the soil because you have such a small reservoir there to deal with. Uh, putting coffee grounds around uh, plants outside, you know, that's like a drop in the ocean, but it is uh, another source of organic matter. Okay. This listener, Mary, says that we have a white powdery substance on our perennials, natives and peonies. I noticed la- I noticed it last year when we were cutting back for the fall, and I hoped that would take care of it. Unfortunately, it came back. This is on the south side of our house, gets full sun, well-ventilated, lots of wind out where we live. Question is, what is it and how do we get rid of it? It's probably powdery mildew. Uh, We see powdery mildew on a lot of plants this time of year. And this is one of the things I'm going to do today in my garden is remove anything that's got powdery mildew. Put it into municipal compost. Uh, Your home compost is okay if it gets really hot and really uh, does work. But this is one of the diseases that is perpetuated in the garden from previous year's growth. It's also very related to weather conditions. So moisture on the leaves, the foliage, and so on uh, perpetuates powdery mildew. Uh, There's a question about mowing, and we get this uh, usually every year about this time. Uh, as far as the last mow of the season, uh, how do I do it, long or short? What's, what's, uh, what's the best way to, to do that? Well, you know, I, Eric Watkins, when he was on a couple of weeks ago with us, our turf professor, he said, eh, you want to maybe make it a little shorter, but, you know, don't 
scalp your grass. Uh, you don't want it to mat down and really get get really long. So you might make it a little shorter. I don't I don't cut my lawn. My husband cuts my lawn, but I don't cut our lawn uh, any shorter. We just take off that one third at a time. We leave it about three, three and a half inches going into the winter. And as long as it's growing, we just keep cutting it. Mary, we've get, we have a, a few questions similar uh, in scope about seeding. What, what's the process uh, timing-wise? I know we talked at the top of the show about, you know, this is, the window is kind of closing now. But what, what, how, what kind of seeding and how do we do it this, the rest of the season? Yeah, so we our traditional window has been August 15th to September 15th. And of course, we're just past September 15th. But what has happened in the last 20 years is that we tend to have a longer, warmer season in the fall. So I am saying we could probably get away with another week or so of seeding till about the 1st of October. But you want it, the seed takes a couple of weeks to germinate and you want it to get a established before it stops growing at all. So that means you're cutting down on the time that it can actually establish. So if you don't get it done in the next week or 10 days, then you can go to a dormant seeding, which is once everything has quit growing, you put the seed down on the soil and it settles in for the winter. So that's November dormant seeding. Yeah. Okay. Uh, is now a good time, and I know we're almost out of time, is now a good time to trim or cut back a bridal bouquet, Spirea, or will the buds for next year be cut off? It seems to have grown and sprouted out quite a bit this summer. The buds are already there. So you'll sacrifice the blooms because, of course, you'll be cutting them off. The best time is right after it blooms. Kind of back up a little bit on this one. It says, what's the best method to remove insects from plants before bringing them inside? inspection, uh, watering, a spray of water, or just taking, uh, you know, a paper towel or a soft cloth, wiping off each of the leaves and the stems. So you can, you physically remove it by hand uh, cleaning or with water. But inspection is really important because there are a lot of insects that uh, are tough to see and you don't want to bring those into your house. Mary, almost out of time. Thank you, first of all. Uh, before you go, why don't we mention that website uh, once again at the U of M? Yes, extension.umn.edu and click on gardening. We've got lots of information there. and You can always subscribe to our yard and garden news. And how do we get to the Arboretum and the Apple House? Yes, just west on Highway 5 and the Apple House is open 10 to 6 every day now. You can call ahead to see what's uh, for sale. The Arboretum requires reservations, but it's wide open. Several hundred people can come every half hour. All right. Yeah, Highway 5 West and uh, around 41, and you'll you'll be right there then. All right. Mary, always a pleasure. Thanks for all the good help that you give our listeners. Thank you, Denny. I always enjoy it. Me too. Thanks. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. By the way, coming up next hour on our Home Improvement Show, Luke Panic will be in for Andy Lindis. Who is Luke? He is the deck and porch specialist with Lindis Construction. If you have any kind of a question about decks or decking, whatever it may be, you want to call in or text in next hour here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Right now in the Twin Cities, uh, we have a southeast wind at 6, temperature reading 52. Stay with us. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 